Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, lead pastor of First Presbyterian Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Gage, good to be back with you uh, here and uh, good to see you a couple of weeks ago for our Presbyterian meeting in Mississippi and looking forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks at the PCA's General Assembly, 50th anniversary General Assembly in Memphis, Tennessee, where we will gather uh, with a couple thousand um, teaching and ruling elders from our denomination to um, uh, to do the work of the church um, of, yeah. of, of um, fellowshipping together. Uh, learning together, striving together, um, rigorously uh, debating things uh, in the life of the church. And it's always a, a, a joyous time and a fun time to be Presbyterian. But we are back today because we are in our series on Jesus in the Old Testament. And we, uh, before we say that, I want, to, um, I want to mention the fact that we are a part of the Society of Reform podcasts. Gage, can you tell our listeners about that if they're hearing this for the first time? Absolutely. So we are a part of really a network of podcasts uh, of guys, both Presbyterian and Reformed Baptist alike, really guys that share overall the broader Reformed faith. Uh, and really uh, in that network, you get a wide variety of, of anything that you could possibly imagine when it comes to reformed theology content. Uh, you've got church, a church planning podcast that's on there. You've got reformed brotherhood, which deals with a lot of great, great things. You got, uh, Bob, Bobcast, which de- deals with all things Bob Inc., uh, the Dutch reformer himself. Uh, you've got distilling theology. So if you uh, like to discuss uh, really, really deep theological works and concepts and systematic theology while discussing beverages, um, you uh, can dip your toe there. And of course, Assurance of Pardon is a part of that network. So we we love those guys. We're, we're privileged and, and appreciative to be a part of that team. Um, and so we would love for you to check them out. You can check them out online at Reform Podcasts. That's what with an S, uh, dot com, and you can see see the whole menu or anywhere you listen to podcasts. There is a mega feed for the Society of Reform podcast, and you can get all of those podcasts onto one feed, so you don't have to uh, chase them down uh, and listen there. And if you like any of those uh, shows, go find that show online, leave them a five star review, leave them a comment, and help others be able to see them better. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Gage, we are um, uh, we have been wake- making our way, plodding slowly through uh, the Old Testament, showing uh, our listeners uh, how to read the Old Testament in a in a Christocentric way, how to see Christ as the fulfillment of the Old Testament, as uh, something that was always pointing toward uh, Christ and His work that He would come to do, and we have reached a book that I think 
we sometimes struggle to know what to do with, and that is we have reached the book of Proverbs. Um, Gage, what, just uh, I, I, we didn't discuss this ahead of time. As you think about Proverbs, what are some of the puzzles that you think of, of like, what do I do with this? Yeah, I, I think if we're not careful, we will get to the book of Proverbs and we will treat it like a fortune cookie, right? Mm-hmm. Where where each individual verse or each individual proverb is like um, a little wisdom nugget for your life. Like it's it's the next page on your desk calendar at work. And, oh, that was a really good nugget. I should think about those things. Um, and you'll you'll try to treat it that way. Or another way that you'll think about proverbs is you'll think about them uh, as promises or somehow as formulas, as in, if I do X, my life will work out X. Uh, and we we learned from the other wisdom literature surrounding uh, Proverbs that that just isn't true, right? So think about, um, we've talked about Job already, um, how Job does all the right things. It, I mean, the book starts out, he's praying for his kids, right? Um and things go drastically wrong. Um, and despite Job's stupid friends, it's not because Job has done all the, the these these wrong things. He's actually done the right things. We would we would actually even say that Job is a wise man. Um, but things happen. The world is broken. Suffering takes place. Um, and and so it, it it's not a formula for right for right things. And I think that's really important. You know, especially. Um, in our context, because I pastor people all the time, especially parents who think, okay, if I take my kid to the right school, if I do, if we go to church every, every Sunday, if we read our Bibles, if we do X, Y, and Z, if we only watch Fox news, if we only vote this way, if we only, if we eat our vegetables, then, (laughs) then my kid and life and everything else is going to, going to go. Okay. And then something happens, right? The child, um, goes apostate for a little bit or um you know life happens can't, can't there's a cancer diagnosis whatever the case may be and and it shakes and and rattles people's faith because they thought well Jesus I did all the things I did the right things this is how this should go and and so if we're not careful the proverbs will feel formulaic um and then you won't won't know what to do with and, and sport, you know when we get too far into this with Ecclesiastes where he starts out everything is meaningless it's all vanity, vanity of vanities, right? Um, so you can you can treat it like a fortune cookie. You can treat it uh, like it's a formula, um, or you can treat it like the law. And I think I think that that's and that's where a, a, another thing that we tend to do. We can we love the law, right? Naturally, Luther talks about this, and, and we don't just say this because we, we were hanging out with our Lutheran friends last month. We do. We love the law, right? We we want the rules. Give me the to do list, and I know I can accomplish it, and I can justify justify myself before God. So if you're not careful, you'll lay that law over Proverbs, and you'll think, "Well, I've got to do this 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 way, and I've got to if I do this this way, then I will be justified before God." And the the Book of Proverbs is none of those things. Yeah. So first of all, Proverbs is is a a different genre. It's not apocalyptic like Revelation. It's not historical like Genesis. It's not. Um, it's not an epistle like Romans or Galatians. It's 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 wisdom literature. 
Um, so I, I'm currently at, at our church in the process of preaching through the book of Proverbs. I've reached about this, I think this Sunday we're doing chapter six. And so uh, I'm, I'm glad we're here because it's a thing that I'm thinking about a great deal. Um, so here, here's a few things. One that, that I, I want to throw out there for our listeners to just help them get their head around. What do I do when I get to this book? Um, first, I would say that Proverbs is a picture of how God desires for the world to work, right? Um, and so uh, it is a, a picture of the mind of God. God does not desire to me to be slothful. God does want me to be wise. God does not want me to, to, uh, to be led astray by the adulterous woman. God does want me to guard my tongue. Um, and so the book of Proverbs is going to humble me because I'm going to read it. And I'm going to see, I don't measure up. I don't measure up here. This is good stuff. These are hard teachings. This is how the world is supposed to work. And so I want to, I want to throw out some, some things that will help our listeners. And first off is that the, the Proverbs is going to constantly contrast the wisdom of this world or, or the wisdom that, that, that my, of my flesh versus the wisdom that God wants to impart from Proverbs. And so you have verses like, um, there is a way which seems right to a man, but at the end leads to destruction or mm-hmm. lean not on your own understanding. And, mm-hmm. and what is that getting at? It's getting at the way that the world works, the wisdom of, of our age of uh, whatever age we live in is broken and, and, and fallible and problematic. So here's what I've been telling our people is that the, the wisdom of Proverbs is the fruit of the tree of life. Remember yes. Adam and Eve are in the garden and there's two trees that are mentioned specifically. There's the tree of life and then there's a tree of the, of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve were led astray by the, by the serpent into believing that happiness, that God doesn't really want what's best for them, that God is withholding something from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and that real happiness, real fulfillment, real godlikeness was to be found outside of what God had commanded uh, and that they needed to eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, you might say, how, why is it that God would not want me to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Isn't good, a knowledge of good and evil precisely what God wants me to have? Mm-hmm. Why, why is it, it seems it, it seems absolutely counterintuitive that God would say, I don't want you to eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and the answer is that when I, and I, I give kudos to my, PCA teaching elder buddy, Jonathan Sargent, who, who helped me formulate this, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that fruit, that seed bearing fruit, fruit bearing seed um, is now when Adam and Eve eat of the tree, then now the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of what is good and what is evil, it takes root within their own bellies with it, mm-hmm. their own guts. Mm-hmm. And now they have a knowledge of good and evil that is not founded in what God has said, but within themselves. And so I will be my own boss. 
I will lean on my own understanding. I will be wise in my own eyes. And so mm -hmm. what, uh, and so my, my thinking is about what is good and what is evil is now entirely subjective. And we see this in the world that we live in, live your own truth. What's true for you is not true for me. Everybody is a postmodern because everybody mm -hmm. says, I will be the one who determines what's right for me. I have a knowledge of what is good and what is evil that is that is rooted firmly within my own belly rather than yes. what, in what God has said. That's the, that's the wisdom of the world. That's the way that our world works now. And the way the world has always worked since the fall is that we want to be our own God. We want to be our own master. And we reject the idea that uh, God's way is better than our way. That's yeah, the and, and tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil. Go ahead. Yeah, you, you so you, and you see that's even how Satan got them to arrive at taking the fruit, right? Did God actually say no? He's trying to keep something from you. He knows when you have this, you'll you'll be like God. You'll be you'll be your own God when you have this fruit, right? You'll be the master of your universe, the captain of your own ship if you eat from yes. this fruit, right? Um, yes. and and it, and it assumes two things. It it assumes that you can't trust can't believe in the character of God that he, that he is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he's going to do. And you can't trust him in his word that, Hey, mm -hmm. this is actually you being the captain of your own universe is actually bad for you because that's not how you're wired. And you actually can't sustain it. And, and we're, we're seeing that. Uh, and, and have, by the way, we have seen that since the fall, the, although the time period that we live in feels urgent and feels chaotic and feels like clown world, no doubt, it's always at some level always kind of felt that way, right? I'm I'm preaching through Ephesians, and we're getting to this week, chapter six, children and parents. And I was reminded through an Alistair Begg sermon um, that in the 60s, Bob Dylan and, and the Beatles and others in 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 an effort to to understand the world around them at the height of the Vietnam War war and civil rights and everything else guess what they were writing about being their own person having no authority right when i was younger so much younger than today i didn't ever needed any help in any way right i was the captain of my ship i was the master of my own, own situation or the times they are a change in there's a the third verse there where basically bob dylan tells moms and dads to either help or get out of the way. Right. Uh, and so we've always existed in this and it, and it's because of the garden. So I think that's a great analogy having to think about the two trees in terms of Proverbs, because it goes back to even our discussion with, with the Psalms of when your, your roots are rooted in the, in the living water of Christ and you're gaining your wisdom from him, then you're going to flourish. You're going to thrive. You're not going to sit at the seat of scoffers. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, what was, and again, I know you, you, our listeners are going, are we talking about Genesis? Or are we talking about Proverbs? Well, um, yes, this is going to help us understand. This is going to help us understand Proverbs is what did the serpent tell the woman that for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. Um, and so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open 
and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So they became wise in their own eyes. They became the very thing that Proverbs is telling us not to do. And so what happened when they were cast out of the garden is they were uh, then uh, Genesis 3.22, then this is a conversation within the Trinity. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, they're sent out of the garden. And so this tree of life is they were not to have access to it. They were no longer, they were not to have access to it because they had sinned. And so we come then to the book of Proverbs and we're told in Proverbs, do not be wise in your own eyes. Do not lean on your understanding. Do not be like your, your, your mother Eve and your father Adam. And then listen to, I want to, to, so that you guys know that I'm not just sort of making up this idea of the two trees as a way to understand Proverbs. I want you to, I want to read Proverbs chapter three, uh, verses 13 to 18. Uh, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain from her, wisdom is, is being sort of referred to as a her here, for the gain from her is better than the gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She's more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her hand is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all of her paths are peace. And then listen to 3.18. She, that is wisdom, is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. And so here, wisdom is being cast for us and, and, and described for us in Proverbs 3 as the tree of life. This is what this is what God wants us to have. God wants us to have to be to have God's wisdom, not the wisdom of our own fallen flesh being wise in our own eyes. And so what we need to see is that is that the book of Proverbs is giving a a wisdom that we desperately need and it's the wisdom of the tree of life. Um, the other thing I want, I want us to another, I'm going to throw out just a few verses, um, to help people get their head around this. And one of them is Proverbs one, verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom as some translations say. And then it says fools despise wisdom and instruction. And, you know, Greg, Greg Bonson, the, the great presuppositional apologist made the point that this means that if you don't fear the Lord, you don't even have the beginning of wisdom. You can you can be really intelligent. You can know a whole lot of stuff. You can have a lot of degrees. You can be um, you can be very learned. But if you don't fear God, you don't have the beginning of wisdom. And, and so, real wisdom—the wisdom that God wants us to have—is is founded on a fear of Himself. And again, Adam and Eve's sin—they didn't fear God. They didn't fear God. They, they, they believed that they knew better. And so what that means, what Proverbs 1-7 means is that there's no such thing as a wise pagan. There's no such thing as a wise atheist. That's true. And uh, in, in his book, uh, The Heart of Anger, Christopher Ash and Steve uh, Mig- Migley 
um, talk about this in their chapter on anger and pride, right? And, and, and it's interesting that every time in the book of Proverbs, when it talks about folly, when it talks about foolishness, when it talks about the scoffer or 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 any of those things, the end is always death. Why? Because sin brings death, right? We're, we're tempted when we're lured and enticed by our own desires, which is just another way of saying by our bellies that now desire to be the captain of our own universe and the master of our own ship. And then um, from there, when it's fully born, brings forth death. And so about that, he uh, he actually quotes Proverbs in chapter 9, verses 7 and 8, when he says, um, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Why? Because he says, they tell us that while a wise man welcomes reproof, that is correction or pushback or feedback, a scoffer hates it. Actually, it's more than that. It's not just that the process of correction is what the scoffer hates. They hate the very person who is doing it. They hate the messenger. There is something personal there. Scoffers aren't offended by mere ideas. They are uh, specifically offended by the person conveying those ideas. And I think that's what we've seen in our world, right? Like we are we are in a situation now to where we go from just merely disagreeing over concepts and ideas, sexuality, relationships, what a human is, what a woman is, what a man is, all those things. We have now reached a point to where for me to disagree with your perspective means I hate you or it means you now have to hate me. And that's, that's right. exactly what the scoffer is talking about. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So um, Proverbs is um, now let me let me throw another thing out. One of the ways we know that Proverbs is the way that God made the world is that wisdom rather is the way God made the world is Proverbs 319 says the Lord by wisdom founded the earth by understanding he established the heavens. And so when I'm reading Proverbs and I'm seeking to apply it, I'm, I'm, my life is going to be, my life is going to be better normatively because I'm going with the grain of how God created things. If I, if I, let me say it another way, nothing in my life is better. Nothing in my life runs more smoothly because of my sin. That's right. Right. My sin is not making my marriage better. My sin is not making my, my employment better. My sin is not making my relationships better. Sin causes chaos. Sin yes. causes struggle. Sin causes strife. Sin is not the way God designed the world to go. And so when I flirt, when I seek to live wisely, when I seek to avoid debt, right? When I see, when I live that, you know, when my outgo exceeds my income, my upkeep will be my downfall. Uh, as as one financial planner friend of mine says, which I think is super helpful. When I seek to not spend more money than I bring in, yeah, yes. When I seek to bridle my tongue, when I avoid the adulterous woman and find my joy and my pleasure in the wife of my youth, my life is going to go better. My life yes. is going to go better because I'm going with the grain of how God made the world. 
And so this is why the, the book of Proverbs is so helpful because it's showing me that sin is a snare that, that it's quicksand. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It, it, you will, you will experience some short term amount of joy followed by great, great despair. And so Proverbs is, is making that clear. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. Now to bring this home to Jesus is what we need is we need we, I, I, I'm not going to be wise. I can't be wise enough. I, I, I don't, I, I read Proverbs. I want to apply it, but I don't, I don't measure up. I, I, I do foolish things. I say foolish things. I, I, I think foolish things and, and I need, I need wisdom incarnate. And so what I need is, uh, is after I let the book of Proverbs humble me, is I need somebody who has perfectly embodied this wisdom. And that is Jesus. And that's why we get to Colossians chapter two, where Paul says, in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So the book of Proverbs, I should read it. I should study it. I should seek to live by it. But in the in all of my studying of it, I need to know what Colossians two says, and that is, this wisdom took on flesh and dwelt among us. This wisdom became incarnate. This wisdom that create by wisdom he created the world. Well, I mean, what does John one say? Is that is that is that there was not anything made that was not made by by him, and that that word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then Colossians is saying, and all that wisdom with which he made the world took on human flesh and in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So if I want wisdom, get Jesus, pursue Jesus. Yes, Scott, to piggyback off the Colossians passage and to try to connect some dots here, how do, how do we get Jesus? We get Jesus by the gospel, right? We we receive and rest upon Jesus as he's freely offered to us in the gospel as our shorter catechism um, for Presbyterians, the Westminster tells us, right? We understand the gospel. We believe we become Christians when the gospel is, is given to us, either through the preached word or through someone sharing the gospel uh, or preaching it to us, right? Um, and and that leads us to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 18 says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So, verse 20, where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, the world's brilliant debaters? Like, basically, where does it leave all the 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 wise people out here in the world, the podcasters of, of it all. Um, right. God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Why? Because he's he's reestablishing the foundation, the very thing he created the world for, by going back to how he made the world, which is through Jesus. Verse 21, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. 
It is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. That's the folly that the the writer of Proverbs is talking about. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all, all nonsense. And then this is the key passage, verse 24. But to those who are called by God, that's the Christian, to salvation, but to those who are called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So how do we get Jesus? This is what we need in order to obtain wisdom. We get it through the preaching of the gospel. Amen. Amen. Folks, we hope this has been helpful for you to think through uh, part of the book of Proverbs. We we left a lot of meat on the bone. There is more to talk about Proverbs. Um, but I think some of these sort of uh, interpretive uh, rules that we can keep in mind as we are studying this will help you navigate this. We hope this has been helpful. And if you have any questions, we'd love it if you'd reach out to us. Absolutely. You can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Uh, we're on all three platforms. Uh, Scott and I are also on most most of those as well. You can reach out to us personally. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can also email us at contact at assuranceofpardon.com. Uh, send us a message on the website. I promise we check the website and do respond to your messages. Um, we also uh, w- would encourage you, if you feel like you need more, uh, let me give you a helpful resource. Uh, our podcast is sponsored by Logos Bible Software. Uh, and and we love Logos. We love the team at Logos. We love their resources. Literally, Scott, in preparation for this episode, it's up on my screen right now. I'll, all I had to do is in the search uh, box type in Proverbs and it developed a whole passage guide for me. It pulled up three different translations. It pulled up an outline for Proverbs. It pulled up a passage guide, a list of commentaries, literary uh, words and, and definitions, preaching themes, all those fun things. Um, all I had to do is type in Proverbs and it did all of that for me. Uh, so we highly recommend uh digging more into the book of Proverbs through using Logos Bible software. And until next time, this is a chance of pardon. God bless.